Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be going in-depth into my week number seven wide receiver start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We're going to be going in-depth into every single game from Thursday Night Football all the way until Monday Night Football, and I'll be telling you guys whether I believe you should start or sit the receivers in all of those matchups. It's important to note that there are six teams on by this week, so there are three less games. Bengals, Cowboys, Titans, Jets, Panthers, and Texans, so if you have any of those guys on your team, make sure you take them out of your lineup. But before we could get on into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, then please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure to leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. So without further ado, let's get into my week number seven wide receiver start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with Thursday Night Football, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New Orleans Saints. Now, for the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence has practiced today with a brace on his left knee. If he does end up suiting up in this game, I do definitely think that that injury will impact him. Now, obviously, Trevor Lawrence doesn't look to run as much as a guy like Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, but he does maneuver very well inside of the pocket. We saw that when Joe Burrow was banged up, that it was clearly impacted his movement inside the pocket if the offensive line was to struggle if they were to get blown up then we saw Joe Burrow basically be stuck like a fucking statue in the pocket and that will probably be the case with Trevor Lawrence so obviously this does hurt the upside of this Jaguars offense at the end of the day is it going to scare me enough to sit studs like Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk the answer to that would be no I still believe that Calvin Ridley will get enough targets to be useful, but he has been far from a safe player basically all season long. I think eventually he is going to hit his stride and be a consistent top 12-ish option in fantasy football, but right now, obviously, there are some reasons to be concerned about Calvin Ridley being a super safe option this week. Christian Kirk, unlike Ridley, Kirk has been uber reliable, currently the wide receiver 16 on the season in PPR. Now, on paper, this match is amazing and in my opinion I don't love this matchup either up against the Saints but at the end of the day when push comes to shove even in the games where the Jaguars were a little limp dick where they were struggling we still saw Christian Kirk feast so I'm definitely rolling him out this game it seems like Zay Jones is gonna miss yet again and that would lead to Jamal Agnew being the wide receiver three on the team he is obviously a sit for the New Orleans Saints Chris Olave was limited with a toe injury on Monday. The popular belief right now, based upon what I have read, now again, I'm as much of a doctor as Johnny Sins, but... They say he's going to play on Thursday, so I wouldn't panic. Wee-woo, wee-woo, no need to fucking have a May Day alert here. Bounce back game for Olave happened last week as the wide receiver 18 in PPR against the Texans. It appears the touchdowns are going to be hard to come by in this Saints offense with Derek Carr under center, but ultimately, I still would lean with Chris Olave being a start. Michael Thomas has been getting targeted weekly, and a lot of people worried in the offseason that Michael Thomas wouldn't be very involved, that Michael Thomas was just completely washed, 
and that hasn't been the case, but the targets haven't really turned into a big performance, mainly again because of the quarterback. He has yet to be a top 30 receiver all season. Maybe at some point this season, all of those targets will turn into a beastly performance like we're used to with Michael Thomas, but right now he's best left on the bench. I'm Shahid. Rashid Shahid is one of those guys that every once in a while pulls a rabbit out of the hat. And last week was that game. Wide receiver 12 with two catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. He will probably do this two or three more times this season, but you will never actually know when to start him. Next up, we move to the Las Vegas Raiders at the Chicago Bears. The first game on the Sunday slate. The first game in what feels like a decade without a London game on Sunday. So that's great. I think we are going back to Germany in a couple of weeks. So that should be interesting. But no more waking up at the ass crack of dawn if you're on the West Coast to watch some football. So for the Bears, Tyson Bagnett will be under center yet again, which will limit DJ Moore's upside in a huge way. I would still start DJ Moore because if I'm Tyson Bagnett, I'm throwing the ball to DJ Moore 7,000 fucking times. I am force-feeding him all game long and just hoping that turns into some solid production for DJ Moore. Again, his upside is limited. Again, I'm as, I, as confident in DJ Moore as I was a couple of weeks ago. Fuck no, baby! But I would still start him again because there are so many teams on by this week. The other Bears, Darnell, here comes the Mooney, and Tyler Scott are both sits. If I'm nervous about DJ Moore, you can't be starting Darnell Mooney or Tyler Scott. For the Raiders, Devontae Adams has been down bad two weeks in a row, but this is still, in my opinion, one of the upper echelon wide receivers in the National Football League. I get he's had two down games, and some people will panic. They will worry that Devontae Adams is just magically finished, right? Devontae Adams is no longer this top-end wide receiver in the NFL, but that is not the case. He has one of the best matchups a wide receiver can dream for. Please start Devontae Adams with supreme confidence this week up against the Chi-Town Bears. Jacoby Myers of the Raiders has had back-to-back -to -back top 15 performances. Now, the quarterback situation is pretty unknown for the Raiders this week. Will it be Jimmy Garoppolo? Will it be Aiden O'Connell? Or will it be old man Brian Hoyer? We shall see. Either way, though, Jacoby Myers has been feasting. So I'm going to keep believing in Jacoby Myers again, back-to-back -back top 15 performances, and he has also performed in games where Adams was having a big game, so Adams doesn't have to be awful for Myers to ball, and he's had back-to-back -back weeks with a touchdown as well, so I feel pretty confident in Myers. In terms of Hunter Renfro, this man just hasn't gotten any work. It is as if McDaniels forgot that just a couple of years ago, Renfro was actually really good. Now, again, I'm not saying Renfro is as good as Myers or Devontae Adams. Of course not. But what I will say is that in an offense like the Raiders, you should be at least giving some targets to Hunter Renfro, right? There's going to be games this year where Renfro isn't targeted at all. And if this team really is serious about trading Renfro, they should probably at least give him a couple targets. Because as of right now, it feels like Hunter Renfro has a fucking Harry Potter invisibility cloak on. Next up, we move to the Cleveland Browns at the Indianapolis Colts. Now, for the Cleveland Browns, Cooper had over 100 yards last week with P.J. Walker, which is shocking, 
but not even remotely as shocking as the fact that the Cleveland Browns defeated the undefeated San Francisco 49ers with P.J. Walker, which is crazy. Assuming Deshaun Watson returns this week against a subpar Colts defense, I think Cooper has the upside to go nuclear. Now, Cooper shit the bed when DTR was under center, but that's because DTR isn't this prolific passer, right? He makes a lot of moves with his legs, and he's going to go crazy in preseason again for some other team or for the Browns next year, or if he ever goes to like the XFL or something, he's going to be fun to watch. But I don't think that skill set transitions into the NFL, and it obviously didn't help out Amari Cooper at all. Once Walker was in, Cooper was good. So assuming Watson should be back and this is a much softer defense than the 49ers, I think Amari Cooper is certainly start worthy. Elijah Moore, I really think that Moore is an impressive player, but until he can do it consistently, even though he's a gadget player on the offense with some pretty big play upside and we have seen flashes of it this season, until he shows that consistency and until Watson really shows some consistency, I think Amari Cooper should be the only receiver you're looking to start on this team that has really started to love to run the football. Donovan Peoples-Jones has finished outside the top 50 at the wide receiver position in every single game this season. He just simply isn't involved with Elijah Moore on the team. For the Colts, Michael Pittman had 14 targets last week and has had over 10 targets in four of six games. Now, I get going from Anthony Richardson, who is now most likely being out for the season, to Gardner Minshew isn't great. And I get Minshew himself is just pretty, and eh. I thought Minshew in a revenge game last week up against that Jaguars team would at least keep things remotely close. He got his back blown out in this game. Pittman's ranking is going to be lower than normal because this isn't a great matchup against the Browns. But again, when you see so many targets, you can make up for the tough matchup by just getting 10-plus targets in this spot. Josh Downs is close to being a bench player due to the matchup. Seems like Minshew really likes throwing the rock to Josh Downs. That wasn't necessarily the case with Anthony Richardson. And volume alone can make him start-worthy with the other teams on by, right? If this was a week where just four teams or two teams are on by, you're probably not starting Josh Downs. But since we are in bye week, by mageddon as they say, it is kind of forcing our hand to start Josh Downs. But again, there's going to be players we talk about later on in the video that are sits, but you can make an argument like, oh, I actually like this guy more than Josh Downs. And maybe I would even change my opinion on things as the week goes along. Alec Pierce is just... Not that guy, pal, in this offense, even with six targets last week. That honestly feels very out of the ordinary for Pierce in this Colts offense. It really seems like Pittman and Downs are just levels ahead of him. So I definitely think Pierce is best left on your bench. If we're being honest with you, he's probably not even on a bunch of rosters. Next up, we got an AFC East rivalry matchup, the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Now the Bills struggled mightily with a shit-tier New York football Giants team. So this feels like the type of game where the Buffalo Bills just tear the Patriots a new asshole. Now I know entering into the season, Bills fans probably weren't very concerned with the Patriots, but you had to at least acknowledge that that defense was potentially going to be great. Now, the defense has suffered a gazillion injuries. Judon's out. The new corner they drafted is done. So it's like, while basically everything has gone wrong for the Patriots yet again, Mac Jones looks like a fucking dumbass in the pocket. Stevie Wonder in there. 
So I think the Bills are going to run train here. I think they look terrible. I don't even think you can galaxy brain yourself into talking yourself into the Bills looking good against the Giants on Sunday Night Football. I know Nick, a top eight receiver in three straight weeks for Stephon Diggs. He had over 100 yards in four straight games. Uh, he, he still had a good game against the Giants. I get it. He might have looked good, but the Bills as a whole were bad. Josh Allen did not look good. I fully expect this to be a day of reckoning for the Patriots defense. I think Stephon Diggs is going to go nuclear. Could easily be the receiver one on the week. Gabe Davis had a down game last week, which was his first game without a touchdown since week one. Again, I feel very confident in Davis because there is a 0% chance that the Bills could look that bad again. At least this week, maybe towards the end of the season or when it turns into prime time, it seems like Josh Allen kind of shrivels up like your cock once the weather starts to get a little bit cold. But right now, this week alone, I think Gabe Davis again. He, him and Diggs are going to go fucking crazy. Deontay Hardy appears to be the number three receiver on the Bills. And one of these days, he's going to pull a Rashid Shahid and catch a 40-yard bomb for a score. But you never really know which week it is. I know he scored a touchdown last week, but he had like five yards in that game. That's not a Rashid Shaheed game. Uh, for the Patriots, I know Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver 10 last week, but there is virtually a 0% chance this happens, even up against a banged-up Bills defense. Devontae Parker, this man individually lost the game last week against the Raiders in Las Vegas. Don't even consider starting Parker. And then Tyquan Thornton made his triumphant return last week against the Raiders as the wide receiver 94. I like Thornton's skill set, but Mac Jones sucks ass. So you better believe you're sitting Thornton. And it feels like we are just on the precipice right now of Mac Jones getting sent to the gulag, to the bench. Next up, we move to the left. Hands up. Who are we? The Commanders at the New York Football Giants in MetLife. If you guys have enjoyed this video thus far, please make sure you hit that like button down below as well as hitting that subscribe button. It would help me out a ton. Now, the Giants have a couple of receivers that are kind of interesting. Those receivers will be Wandale and Darius Slayton. Wandale's a guy that if you want to make the argument, you'd rather start him over certain players. That wouldn't be too crazy for you to say. Close to being a start, wide receiver 24 last week. We know the volume will be there, but the question is, can Tyrod Taylor do it two weeks in a row? And will this even be Tyrod? Will they go back to Daniel Jones? Slayton was getting fed the rock by Tyrod Taylor under when he was under center, but I really just don't think Slayton's for real. We've seen this in the past. He just has not been able to do it. I could see Robinson being for real, right? being a guy that's like a frisky option in deeper leagues this season, but I, I just don't think Slayton is that. And Hyatt's a guy that I really like. I kind of gave the gawk gawk 9002 after he got drafted because, oh my God, this speed. Brian Dayball really figured this offense out, right? Things are just going swimmingly for the Giants last season. And Dayball wins head coach of the year. It's like, holy fuck. Maybe we have a Giants team that's going to look feisty this season. Daniel Jones is going to look great. And I have never been so wrong. I like the skill set of Hyatt. I liked him coming into the NFL draft, but the team hardly looks at him, so you definitely got to bench him. For the Commanders, Jahan Dotson is a clear sit. He hasn't done anything outside of a decent game against the Eagles in Week 4. I still have pretty high hopes for Dotson being a talented player, first-round draft pick, but man, 
Man, oh man, at this point in the season, even with how good Howell has played and how good this offense of the Commanders has been with Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator, Jahan Dotson should be cut in your league. Like, when Curtis Samuel's out playing you, you know there's some serious fucking problems here. Speaking of Curtis Samuel, this man has had three weeks straight in a row with a touchdown, as well as finishing inside the top 24 in all of those weeks. So we talk about this a lot in fantasy football, at least I do. When a player is on fire NBA Jam style, you have to start him. I don't care if that player is Curtis Samuel or fucking C.D. Lamb, right? Doesn't matter the skill set of the player, right? C.D. Lamb's amazing. Curtis Samuel kind of sucks. But when you are on fire like this, I have to start him, even though I know the, the cool down is coming very, very Soon, Terry McLaurin, while Terry hasn't been reliable at all this season, this matchup here is good enough for a guy who could see eight-plus targets against the Giants to where you kind of have to start him again. The Giants' defense, it was an anomaly. I really think they are going to get spit-roasted by this commander's offense. Next up, we move to the Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we break down this game in depth at the wide receiver position, as well as the rest of the games on Sunday slate, then we get into Monday Night Football, I would like to give you guys a quick word for our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe. And Underdog has a great offer for you guys today. But first, I want to explain how underdogs pick them work so you're going to need to select at least two players from two different teams so we're going to start with thursday night football jags at saints we're going to go with travis Etienne higher than 65 and a half rushing yards travis Etienne has been on fire now there aren't a lot of choices out just yet because i'm recording this on monday night after the cowboys chargers game there will be more offerings as the week goes on and we're going to match that with our other pick here of jared goff higher than 241 and a half passing yards on sunday up against the ravens defense if both of these hit it will pay out three times your entry fee if you do three different picks it's six times your entry fee four picks is 10 times and five picks is 20 times obviously all of your picks need to hit for it to pay out if you are new to underdog fantasy and live in one of these states listed on your screen right now use promo code notorious or click on the link in the video description for a first match deposit bonus of up to $100 if you deposit 100 they give you additional 150 additional 50 25 additional 25 the minimum deposit on underdog fantasy is $10 and if you have a gambling problem please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things, the Hotlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So for the Falcons, Drizzy Drake London has been a top 20 receiver in back-to-back Michael Jordan 96-97 weeks. Each of those games, he has had over nine targets. Now, I don't trust Ritter or Arthur Smith for jack shit, but at this point, I just have to throw London out to the Wolves and start him. I talked about it all offseason. Drake London is a legitimately talented NFL wide receiver. He is. He's really good. He is just in a situation that is gross. Now, again, you're going to get those bad games with Drake London. You're going to get those games where Arthur Smith is running the rock seven gazillion times where instead of Drake London getting targets, for some reason, Mac Hollins is getting fed or Janu Smith has like 12 targets or something. You're going to get that. You're going to get that. And Ritter is awful. He's also just destined to throw like four picks in any given game, regardless of how good the defense is. But when push comes to shove, when London's looked really good at points this season, and when he's put it together in back-to-back weeks, I have to trust at least somewhat in Drizzy 
break London. Next up, we move to the other players on the Falcons, which are just nowhere near as fun. Matt Collins is an obvious sit. You didn't even have to think about that. No one has fucking Matt Collins unless you're in like a 32-man league. Van Jefferson, now that he's in his in Atlanta, he is going to have one of those quote-unquote Rashid Shahid games, right? One of those games where due to his speed, uh, he's just going to be catching like three balls, 100 yards, and a tug, right? He's going to get that. But you're never going to be able to predict it, so you can't start him. On the Bucks side of the ball, Mike Evans was down bad last week against the Lions. But pretty much the whole Buccaneers team shit the bed. So how much blame could you throw on Mike Evans? We saw after the game that Baker took a lot of accountability. He said he should have played better. The defense played good. I wouldn't say the defense played amazing. But, you know, hey, he's taking accountability, which is good to see, right? It's good to see when the quarterback of a team takes accountability. You remember last year when I believe it was the Patriots lost when Zach Wilson was basically throwing the blame onto everyone aside from himself when he played like dog shit? Baker took accountability. He didn't play great, takes accountability. Mike Evans has been good basically every game this season. And in a spot I like against the Falcons for a bounce back of the whole Bucks offense, you would expect Mike Evans to be a large part of that. Now, Chris Godwin, even though the garbage can Bucks offense was out last week against the Lions, Chris Godwin still played decently. Now, unlike Evans... Godwin hasn't been very consistent. Now, he's looked good on the field. He passes the eye test. He's a lot like Michael Thomas, right? He looks good out there, but nothing's really going correct for his fantasy output, right? He's catching the passes. He's getting a bunch of targets, but he's not scoring the touchdowns. He's not turning those targets into 100-plus yard performances that we would like to see out of players as skilled as Michael Thomas or Chris Godwin. But I do have more confidence in Baker compared to Derek Carr, so I would have to lean with Godwin over Michael Thomas. Trey Palmer had seven targets last week, and I've talked about Trey Palmer a lot this season as an interesting player that could have a large rippling effect on this offense going forward as the years come, right? He's a very young player. But when you got Evans and Godwin and Rashad White, who takes away some targets, and Kate Otten, you just can't really rely on Trey Palmer. Next up, we move to the Detroit Lions at the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Mon Ross St. Brown went fucking nuclear. He went buck wild on that Buccaneers defense. Wide receiver one last week, 12 receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. It is certainly possible that he could do that exact same thing. 10-plus receptions, 120-plus yards, and a touchdown against the Ravens' defense. He is a must-start receiver every single week. You don't even have to think twice about it. I don't give a shit if Amon Ra is going up against the whole AFC All-Star team defense, the 85 fucking Bears. You're playing Amon Ra St. Brown, and the Goffinator, Jared Goff, looks like... I'm not saying he's going to win MVP. I think my boy too is going to. But you could argue that Jared Goff is an MVP candidate, which if you told me that five years ago, I would have told you you are fucking insane. But you're not right now because Jared Goff looks great. And I was a Jared Goff guy in the offseason. So I'll pat myself on the back. I'll give myself at least some credit for that. Josh Reynolds with Jamison Williams back and with how good Laporta has looked, I think Reynolds kind of just falls from grace of being a start-worthy option. Now... Williams did score last week, but he only had three targets. He had three targets in the last week as well. Williams is still waiting on a true ramp up, right? He played the fourth most amount of snaps at the receiver position. He was behind Reynolds and old man Marvin Jones, who goes out there with a fucking cane to run routes. So once Williams gets truly ramped up, yeah, I'll tell you to start him. But right now, even in a buy riddled week, 
I don't think you can start Jamison Williams. For the Ravens, Zay Flowers is the only receiver that I am remotely confident in, right? Would it be crazy if Nelson Aguilar ends up going crazy? To me, no, because of how good Lamar is. But Zay Flowers is the only trustworthy guy. Eight or more targets in back-to-back weeks. He's really been the only guy that's been productive in this offense outside of Mark Andrews. Now, I don't love the matchup. I'm not here banging the drum because this Lions offense is fucking ferocious, right? This is a Lions defense that I give a lot of credit to, give a lot of flowers to. So I don't think this is going to be that huge Lamar game. Now, it could be any game could be a huge Lamar game because he's that fucking good. But I don't think this is going to be some momentous top 10 week out of flowers, but the upside is always there for him to do that based upon the skill set he has. So Odell, underwhelming is a nice way of putting this season, right? If I said underwhelming, that would be like sugarcoating things, right? You can't trust him. You just can't trust him. At points, he does look like vintage Odell. I'll give it to him. Last week in, not in Tennessee, in London against the Titans, right? He had like one play where it's like, oh my God, did we just hop in the Doritos time machine from the Super Bowl ad all those years ago? If If you know, you know. But no. He doesn't do it consistently, so you can't trust him. I am so done with Rashad Master Bateman. He reeks to high heaven that Nelson fucking Aguilar has made the graphic. You know how crazy that is? That Nelson Aguilar is on a graphic for wide receivers to start or sit in the year 2023? That just shows how bad Bateman has been. Next up, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers at the LA Rams. The Rams are very simple. Cooper Cup, ever since returning, has been a top 12 receiver in back-to-back games. This guy is legitimately amazing. I don't need to do tricks on it. I don't need to give him the gawk gawk 9,000 special, a sucky sucky here for you guys to know how great Cooper Cup is, so I'm not going to do that. Must start every single fucking week. Hukadakua, down game last week. But please do not panic on Puka. He is going to be targeted heavily every single week. He dropped a touchdown last week that would completely have changed how people's perspective was on Puka. If you don't watch every game, if you're not watching every single snap, you're not fucking sitting on the couch eating fucking hot wings all day and having Cheeto dust on your finger like I do. I don't even eat Cheetos. I don't even eat wings during the games because they're a little messy. I like get my Tua jersey nice and clean. I, uh, I, I'm eating like chips or pizza during the game, you know, still not being like a skinny person or some shit, but I'm eating junk food, obviously, but stuff that won't get the dirty, the, the Jersey super dirty, but yeah, I'm, I'm paying attention to every game, looking at everything. And like, look again, if you're just someone that, again, I'm not saying like a casual, right? If you're not watching every snap of the games, if you're, you know, you go take a piss, you miss it. You're like, Oh my God, Puka sucked. Well, he didn't actually, he, he dropped the touchdown. So you run that back, Puka makes that catch 99% of the time. So I'm not panicking on Puka, and I don't think you should be either. Cooper Cup, Puka, top-end options every single week. Do not panic. Now, with Cooper Cup looking so good, yeah, we have to bump Puka down the rankings. Can't be like a top-six receiver in the rankings every week. But him and him and Cooper Cup could coexist, right? Both could be top-12 receivers every week, and it wouldn't really be that surprising. 2-2, Atwell, Still looks good to me, but with Cup and Puka in action, you you just really can't start him, right? You just can't. 
For the Steelers, it seems like Deontay Johnson should be back this week after being designated to return off of the IR with that hamstring injury. When he plays, I play him. He's the true number one receiver on this offense, and maybe that's what Kenny Pickett has been missing. George Pickens' value should crumble. It should fall like Humpty Dumpty off the wall with Johnson returning. Now, Pickens went crazy against the Texans in his last showing, so that's good. Looked good. But again, with Johnson back, we know how things go. We know that Johnson's the guy and Pickens isn't. And then Calvin Austin, he's another one of those guys that'll just randomly have a huge game, but you'll never be able to predict it. Next up, we got a division rivalry matchup, the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks here. Hollywood Brown had his first down game since week one of last season. I get that the Cardinals looked bad two weeks in a row, but if you are going to panic off of, look, even in that one shit game against the Bengals where Josh Dobbs looked like Stevie Wonder out there, we still saw Hollywood Brown feasting, right? He still had 11 targets last week when the team was limp dick. He has had four of six games this season with 10 or more targets. It is not time to hop in the panic shelter for Hollywood Brown. Now, obviously, is it great that Dobbs has looked down bad the last two weeks? No. But Hollywood might be able to make up for that. He, he should still be fine. Now, Rondale and Michael Wilson. It seems like Rondell Moore and Michael Wilson will flip-flop every week as the number two receiver and targets on the Cardinals. And seemingly, with them flip-flopping every single week, and with how Josh Dobbs looks, you just can't start either of them. For the Seahawks... DK Metcalf got banged up last week with a hip injury against the Bengals, but I feel pretty confident that as long as he plays up against a shit-tier Cardinals defense, we should see DK Metcalf back on top. Tyler Lockett in my pocket skirt had a decent performance last week. We all know how hit or miss he is. He's very boom or bust. He's like George Kittle. He's either going bananas, he's having the huge game, or he is just sinking your battleship. But at the end of the day, the upside is so high, especially up against a bad Cardinals defense, that you gotta start him. Also, Geno Smith really sucked last week. He was really bad. He looked like Geno back when Geno was playing for the fucking Jets, right? He looked like he lost a step. Again, I'm not saying that the Bengals' defense is terrible, right? And he should have been surgical out there, uh, like uh, playing Fruit Ninja or cutting the defense up like his name was OJ Simpson. But let's be honest, Geno should not have played that bad. They gave, the defense gave Geno every ounce of help they could have given him every ounce of hey you're getting the ball in this good position they were able to move the ball up the field and then like once they got in the red zone they just forgot how to play football Gino did at least so Hollywood again that Seahawks defense looked ferocious looked good last week but I still don't think they're amazing so I think Hollywood should be fine JSN actually seems like we're to start seeing more of him Round of applause, Pete Carroll, you gum-chewing bastard. Starting to give more targets to the guy you drafted in the first round. What a genius move that is, pal. But until he starts to do it more, he's got to be left on the bench. Next up, we move to game numero 10. I don't know the number. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez, I think. That's 10, right? Game diez. Packers at... The Denver Broncos, I know I'm not some Spanish guru, I'm not Dora the Explorer or Diego, um, I took Spanish in high school, took it in college, was never very good at it, it kind of Hulk smashed my GPA, but it is what it is, I do still know certain words, muy caliente, you know, I know some 
terms in Spanish. So, you know, I'm a multilingual genius, obviously. That's a joke. Don't know a lot of Spanish words. But I do, for some reason, whenever I record these videos, in my normal life, I will never just randomly say some word in Spanish. But in these videos, probably once every two videos, I'm saying something in Spanish that might even be incorrect. Like, to all of you that speak Spanish... You know, I think it's cool that people can speak multiple different languages. You're probably like, oh, this guy's a fucking idiot, right? He has no idea what he's talking about. And I will admit that I don't. Again, back on into things, I do kind of go on random tangents during the videos. We're almost out of here, though. There's not as many games this week, obviously, because of all the teams on buys. The Packers at the Broncos. Christian Watson is coming off the bye, and I feel like Watson's workload will be ramped up here. A wet dream matchup against the Broncos. Huge upside here. Should have scored against the Raiders, but that horse collar tackle brought him down. I think this feels like a huge game for Watson again. This is the type of wet dream matchup, the type of matchup that has you salivating when you're thinking about it in your lineup, right? When you throw Watson, you're like, oh my God, he's playing the Broncos and you get all pumped up, right? Now, for the other Packers guys, and again, I know Jordan loved me tender, loved me sweet, kind of killed us softly in that game, but I don't think that's going to be the Jordan love that we're used to, especially here against the Broncos. Romeo Dobbs with Watson back at full health. I feel like Dobbs kind of fades into being not so start worthy, but this matchup against Denver... Even though I have him listed as a sit, right, he could have a big showing. So, again, he's one of those other guys like Wandale where you could definitely argue that you might want to start him. And, again, if you're suffering by week, if you're in by week hell, then, yeah, he's one of those guys that would kind of jump into my lineup. For the other packer of note, Jaden Riley Reed, Dobbs has been very evidently the wide receiver two on the team. I still think Jaden Reed's more talented than Dobbs, but... Still Reed's rookie year. We're not seeing as much of him, so it's more likely that Dobbs goes crazy over Reed, so I definitely would rather sit Reed. For the Broncos, Cortland Sutton. It feels safe to say that Sutton's the number one receiver. Steve Smith took a dump on, uh, I think that was Steve Smith, on Thursday Night Football all over Jerry Judy, and I've been someone that has been slinging the mud at Judy, but man, oh man, Sutton's the, Sutton being the guy is kind of crazy. Not an ideal matchup, but I think Sutton will get like five catches for 60 yards, and if he does score here... He'll be fine. Judy, like, man, this guy's been underwhelming his whole career. It seems like every year, and I wasn't someone who did this, that this year, really tried to talk themselves into Jerry Judy. Now, I get the Broncos' offense is bad, but they've shown some bright spots, and it's like Judy just isn't doing anything. There has been those pops, those flashes, those fireworks from Judy, but overall, he hasn't been consistent, and honestly, with the team looking to trade Judy, I really think he needs a brand new environment to, to be good. I mean, the guy's tape at Alabama was fucking beautiful. You know, your eyes would ejaculate watching it. But in terms of the NFL, he just really hasn't, hasn't put it together. Marvin Mims, I say this every single week, and it's just like beating a dead horse at this point. Sounds like a broken record. But like, if Sean Payton could just give Mims more snaps, this guy would be dominating chains and whips 50 shades of gray style. But they just uh, don't give him the opportunities. Next up, we got the Chargers at the Chiefs. Now, Keenan Allen has had five touchdowns in the last four games, and he has been fantastic this season. And without Mike Williams, he feels even safer. The problem is, though, when the game's on the line, it's happened three fucking games this season. The game's on the line. Herbert's going to fuck it all up. Did it against the Dolphins, did it against the Titans, and did it on Monday night against the Cowboys. And now it's not, it's not just, I don't know what Staley has done to this man, but 
Herbert doesn't look like how he looked early on in his career. He doesn't look like a gunslinger. He looks scared. And there's, like, last night we saw it. If you watch the game, Keenan Allen was wide fucking open. And he misses him. And again, I'm not here to just th sling all this mud on Herbert and tell you Herbert's some garbage quarterback because he's not, right? There are so many teams that would fucking do some sacrifice in order to get Justin Herbert to be their quarterback. And the coaching is a lot to blame. But it does kind of hurt Keenan Allen when Hayes is wide open at points and he can't hit him. And it kind of sucks. Josh Palmer, he's another one of those guys that's close to being a start. You could argue to start him over Rashi Rice. We're going to start talk about in a second. Quentin Johnston, I figured that coming out the bye, like they just had to use Quentin Johnston more. He got fucking bullied, mugged on that pick that Gilmore got to solidify the game. It's just sad. It really is sad. Like you draft this guy in the first fucking round, you don't even use him. Rashi Rice has a great matchup this week, salivating for this one. But I don't love Rice because of how much Mahomes spreads the ball around. Now, we make this joke every week, so some people might be like, Nick, I've heard this a million times, and I've probably said this for, like, all of Mahomes' fucking career as the starter on this YouTube channel, but let's be honest. Mahomes loves to spread the wealth. He loves to spread the rock around. I say this. He's like, Oprah, you get a ball. You get a ball. You all get the ball, right? And except for Kelsey, who obviously is the exemption to that, Rashi Rice has looked good. This is a great matchup, so I'm starting him. But again, you could talk yourself into Palmer just being significantly safer, but I like the upside more of Rice. Next up, we move to Sunday Night Football, my game of the week, Dolphins at the Philadelphia Eagles, baby. Cry, Eagles, cry, baby. Now, the Eagles are going to look to be feisty here. They just got battered by the Jets. Not battered, obviously, it was a close game, but you get what I mean, right? A game they should easily win, they lose. Now, the Dolphins' defense isn't even the same shadow realm as the Jets, but the Dolphins' offense isn't in the same realm as the Jets, right? The Dolphins' offense is way better. Tyreek is currently the wide receiver one on the season. This motherfucker's on par to get at least 7,000 yards, it feels like. <laughs> He's almost at 1,000 yards. The Eagles' matchup isn't amazing, but this has all the makings of that Rock'em Sock'em Robots matchup we talk about all the time, right? The game where it's just back and forth, fucking dogfight, and it sounds fun for, for Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle, no way, Waddle Waddle. Finally had his best game of the season as the wide receiver 13 last week up against the Panthers. I think as the season continues, we'll see more reliability out of Waddle. It sucks that he hasn't been uber reliable this season, but this Dolphins offense is... It's fucking humming all season long, and I... I just love Jalen Waddle, man. Um, for the other receivers on the Dolphins, Braxton Berrios. One of these days, just like against the Bills in week four, he's going to go crazy. But I don't think this will be the game. A.J. Brown has had four straight amazing games in a row. The Dolphins' defense is kind of whack. So I love Brown. But eventually, Smith is going to get his, right? Eventually, Smith's going to hit the nuts and be like the receiver one. And this could be that week. Like I said, with Smith, we're still starting him. Uh, Smith has been down and out over the last four weeks, right? He has saw 11 targets, though, last week against the Jets, which is promising. And again, it does really feel like that huge game is just right around the corner for Miss Yaw, Devontae Smith, Olamide Zacchaeus. This team just signed Julio Jones. They're really bringing out all the stops for the Dolphins. Sit down, Olamide. I don't think Julio is going to play yet again this week, but Julio reunited with A.J. Brown. Niners at cold like minnesota vikings for monday night football and that sunday night football game is a game where you waited all day for sunday night this game's kind of a doozy McCaffrey might not play debo might not play but i a guy to talk about here down week last week against the browns 
But this matchup is the polar opposite of the Browns, right? The Browns are stone cold, rock solid defensively. The Vikings are wet noodle. 10 targets for four receptions last week and 76 yards. He could have definitely played better that game, but I won't even blame him. All the blame goes to big cock Brock Purdy, who was flopping around like a fish out of water. Should be way better this week. I'm not worried at all. Debo is day-to-day with the shoulder injury. If he plays, I am nervous that he might be a decoy again. So this is very much something to monitor all week long before I have some tried-and-true stance on Debo. Again, that's why these videos that are made earlier on in the week, yes, I give you a lot of my takes, but it's important to keep following up things as the week goes along. Juwan Jennings, another one of those guys that's just going to randomly have a big game. Uh, Jordan Addison Ray, but he's a sit. Jordan Addison Ray, without Jefferson, we should see Addison fed like Zeke during Thanksgiving dinner. Though, I will note, this matchup is very, very scary against the 49ers, so this shouldn't be a huge game for him. Osborne isn't as good as Addison in better matchups. Osborne is definitely start-worthy because of the Vikings offense and without being without Justin Jefferson. But... Being this matchup, being as tough as nails, right? Osborne is unstartable. Brandon Powell is the wide receiver three on the Vikings. That's all I got to say about him. Thank you. Sit him down. So thank you guys all so much for watching. If you did end up enjoying today's video, make sure you hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button down below if you are new. If you want to check out my Patreon, link in the video description. I answer every single question on there, as well as post my rankings for every single week for $7.50. If you did end up enjoying again, hit that like, hit that subscribe button. Check out one of the videos on your screen right now. I love you guys all so much. Hope you have a great rest of your guys' day. And as always, good boy!